0: What we've come to realize is there's two things. One is most people are lazy. Um, uh, And then the other thing is like people can't, uh, you know, they don't want to like sit down and and do all the math. So um, I think that, you know, CryptoCuties, the way I describe this, it's like a collaborative crypto puzzle because you're trying to discover genes and find the combinations to unlock rare uh traits right or fancy cats um and frankly i think people think it's too much work you know like they don't like so you know there's this whole thesis in the nft space right now where you launch your 10k NFT, 10k collection you throw a few parties and then you then get on this rung of like i'm going to build a game i'm going to build a mobile game that you could plug in your nft and all these things right And we've tried it many, many times. Maybe we did something wrong, right? But we've tried it with NBA Top Shot. We we had a mobile game that we built. Um, CryptoKitty, same thing. Uh, We partnered up with Animoca, uh, which is like the next biggest kind of entity in this space. And so like, I don't know if people are seeking game-like experiences for their NFTs. Um, uh, that's a question mark. So I think going back to my point that people are lazy, like, I don't think people wanted to play and sit there and breed and do all the math with all the crypto keys. And I think that was the other reason that caused it to like, oh, this is so much simpler. I just buy a punk and I just sit around and that's it, right? The game is simple, like scarcity.
1: Welcome to UFO. Podcast where artists, musicians, and Web3 builders talk about the future. Place for revolutionary ideas. I'm your host, Nick Hollins. On today's show, Benny Zhang, product marketer and a sought after creative thinker in UX design, growth, and community, particularly in the tech and blockchain industries. He's worked on startups including Toby, an award winning Chrome extension, Lightship Works in IoT, and Upright AI. Present day, he's a co-founder at Future Primitive, where they work on experimental creative projects, including NFTs and blockchain, such as the Stapleverse with Jeff Staples. He was team member number 13 at Dapper Labs and was a co-founder of CryptoKitties in 2017, the iconic early NFTs project, and later the mega pre-NFT bull run project, NBA Top Shot, before departing from Dapper in October 2021. In this episode, we talk about the origin stories of NFTs from someone who actively played a role and seems to have created the first ever NFTs Discord community for CryptoKitties, a group chat that included the founders of Dapper, Axie Infinity, OpenSea, and many others. We also explore new creative experiments Benny is working on with Future Primitive, including Beeper, a hackathon project from ETH Global where they made nostalgic 90s pager NFTs that can communicate on-chain via XMPT. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors helping to put UFO on the air. First, our friends at Zerion. UFO is a podcast that brings together the brightest builders, creators and founders, shaping the cultural side of Web3. And Zerion is the perfect wallet for these active citizens. Zerion combines every corner of Web3 in a simple and intuitive app for self-custodial humans. Discover the hottest NFT collections, track your DeFi rewards, and vote in DAOs across 10 plus chains. Come along and check out their new app on mobile. You can get started at Zerion.io. That's Z-E-R-I-O-N dot I-O. Lens Protocol is the open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It's a new era for social media in Web3. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let Web3 social apps thrive, a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever application you want to use. Instead of being trapped inside the walled garden of an algorithm, Lens lets you choose the way that you want to experience your social media. UFO is here to help listeners get started with Lens, and for now, the best way to pick up an invite is interacting with UFO on Twitter. Follow us, retweet, post replies, and let us know. UFO is available on all Lens apps at ufoclub.lens. To explore links for releases and projects we talk about in this episode, check out the show notes at ufo.mirror.xyz. Let's jump in with Benny Zhang, starting with his origin stories, working at Axiom Zen and then Dapper Labs from its early inception. I'm going to rewind back time to
0: 2016,
1: uh, 2016.
0: I moved to a new city, uh, fit everything in my car, uh, and, um, had enough money for two months rent, uh, in a city called Vancouver, Canada. Uh, and I was in the hopes of, um, looking for a job in the, uh, in the tech area. Um, so I ended up applying to like 400 positions and interviewing for a bunch. And, Um, And it was kind of pretty close. Um, But um, one company, one special company that I really wanted to join was called uh, Axiom Zen. It was a a venture studio based in Vancouver. Uh, At the time, they had launched several startups. uh, And they were working on really awesome tech like AR, VR. AI machine learning, they had a few enterprise SaaS products. So for me, like being kind of a, a lost sheep looking for a job in the tech area, in the tech sector, I was like, well, I mean, Axiom Zen is going to give me that home to to play around with so many different things. So I really wanted to join them. And and I ended up joining them as a uh, my first role was social media intern. So I got my foot in the door and um, started to meet the folks there. We were, they were like in a basement. It was like a basement with 40 people um, and you never saw the light of day. Uh, So you went in there dark and then you went out there uh, off work when it was dark. And from there, pretty much the second week on, I was asked to... um, launch a product on product hunt um and um you know one thing about axiom zen as a venture studio was that there was no actual roles or hierarchy it was kind of decentralized in a weird way um they're like uh, everyone on slack made up their own titles like uh, roham who was now the ceo of dapper hit for the longest time it was janitor uh and uh, so one of the processes when you join they're like oh make up the title and then and then find a mentor uh and then you know just navigate and i was like okay so yeah i got paired up with a engineer his name was arthur uh, Arthur Kamara and um, uh, we, me and him, we're uh, gonna launch this product on Product Hunt. It was called uh, Toby, T-O-B-Y. It's a Chrome extension that helps manage your browser tabs. Um, it's still running today. I think there's like 350,000 users. Um, great way to manage your browser tabs. So we worked on that and launched on Product Hunt. Uh, we got into Y Combinator Startup School, we won a bunch of awards um and one of the things uh that was challenging for us was you know obviously in productivity tools it's hard to monetize right like uh you and, and you're kind of in this chasm where it's like we had like a quarter million users and like that's not like millions right and it's not like a thousand. Um, and like, if you do the rough costs, like, how much can you really generate uh, as a reoccurring business? And one of the models for Axiom Zen is all the ventures had to have like a trajectory towards 100 million ARR uh, within five to six, seven years of incubation. Um, and so, you know, Toby, I think if it was like, if it was just a two, person company three person company it would have made like I don't know half a million one million ARR and we would have been happy right but it wasn't good enough for the venture studio Um, so we had a conversation with Roham uh, the CEO of Axiom Zen and he around uh, the spring of 2017 and he was like have you heard of uh, the blockchain Uh, to me and Arthur and uh, we looked at each other and we're like What's the blockchain like is it bitcoin um and and everything kind of flashed through my head of like i remember a headline where someone bought a pizza with like a bunch of bitcoin and like then i heard about the dow hack and so i didn't get good vibes to be honest i was like you know what i i don't really like this like i want to keep building a normal startup uh, and go to Silicon Valley, raise capital, and just do all of that. I don't really want to touch this crypto stuff. And um, Rohan was like, well, okay, how about you guys just take two weeks, just learn about Ethereum and smart contracts the spring of 2017. And me and Arthur did that. We took two weeks, took a break. And when we came back, we are like, okay, th- this is kind of interesting. And he's like, all right, well, can the two of you – we have this project that's called that involves cats um, and, you know, for Axiom Zen, we're trying to, like, we, Axiom Zen had ambitions to, like, build, like, decentralized ID or enterprise use cases or land property rights on the blockchain. That was more of, like, the goal. But it was like, well, we haven't launched any smart contracts, so maybe we just do this toy project that's cats, and then we'll move on to serious use cases. So me and Arthur shifted focus from Toby, and we formed the team uh, of team of 10, and we launched CryptoKitties. Um, It was the alpha version, and I still remember like some of the early conversations where I was talking to Fabiano, who was one of the authors of ERC 721 um, and on the CryptoKitties founding team. And I was like, okay, Fabiano, because I'm from marketing, right? I'm like, so show me how to breed a cat on testnet and he's like okay cool yeah here's the contract address go to etherscan go to the functions click and paste this in and then uh, pay gas i'll send you some test net eth and i was like okay cool this is kind of crazy um and um bred those cats together and i looked at fabian i remember this i was like okay so where's the cat where's the kitty and he's like oh it's there it's in your wallet but you don't see it yet because it's not indexed and I was like, no, but like, that's not going to work. Like, how couldn't people, like, they can't just breed, you can't just breed and not even know what you just got. Like, that there's no UI here. So, we spent a week and a half like grinding uh, day and night building the UI uh, in preparations for ETH Waterloo, the hackathon of which that's where we launched the beta version. And that's what people experienced net. Uh, on RinkB, uh, breeding CryptoKitties. So that's kind of how it all started. So it started with Axioms and CryptoKitties. And then when CryptoKitties blew up, Dapper Labs was formed. And the initial 10 basically shifted over to Dapper Labs. And, uh, and then the rest is history. So that's kind of the the story of 2016 to, to 2018, pretty much.
1: Yeah, it's, it's mythological now that... Um story of as, as you know like waterloo where the crypto kitties first started rippling around the community and at this point where we sit in 2023 and we've had this whole crazy two years of nft uh explosion and entering the zeitgeist in an irreversible way essentially um i'd love to hear a little bit more about like you know anecdotally what it was like around waterloo as people were starting to be like oh what is this like getting cats and stuff like that through to the launch itself and, you know, this story of um, CryptoKitties blowing up in a way that was sort of clogging Ethereum mainnet. And you know, there was a whole kind of experience with that as well.
0: Yeah, Um when we launched, everyone, I think the thing of the day was the ICOs, right? Like, Oh my goodness, like the amount of white papers and cheesy websites with some sort of chain looking graphics. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like burnt into my memory, but, uh, famously, if you look at my medium account, um, I don't write there as often. I actually have not written there for a long time, but the launch article is like, we're not doing an ICO. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that was the whole thing. It's like, when we looked at it, it was like, you know, smart contracts are cool. The blockchain's really cool. But well, how come the only thing you guys are all doing is ICO and you write a white paper saying, like, we want to be Facebook, but on the blockchain. And if, if if you support us, buy our token. Uh, and then they raise a lot of money, right? Uh, the only other thing that was actually, I think, was super cool was Decentraland that came out. And we, I know Ari and the folks... Um, and, uh, obviously like CryptoPunks, which was kind of like the proto, uh, CryptoKitties. So I think those things were super cool. And when things were blowing up, um, that was a huge learning curve for us and the team as well. Um, at that time when, so it started if Waterloo, people was breeding cats. Then we, then I was kind of leading community at that time. So I rallied everyone to telegram and telegram started getting too crazy i mean as we all know uh and i was like in search of a new home for for like the CryptoKitties community so i reached out to someone from the telegram who seemed very helpful and they're like hey have you tried reddit like why don't you create a subreddit for CryptoKitties? so i was like okay let's do it um and we we did it and you know subreddit's cool but it's more like form based right um like people post a thing and people chat and we tried it for a bit but it didn't really work and then someone's like have you heard of discord and I was like what's a discord and um essentially we we tried that too uh and so we were the first nft project to Move into Discord, because at that time, it was a mixture of Telegram, Rocket Chat, Gitter, uh, tel- uh, uh Slack. Some of them had Slack, too, um, or WhatsApp groups. And we were like, all right, let's try Discord. Nobody's really doing this. Seems like they have moderation uh, abilities. So we created that, and that became the home um, for CryptoKitties. And that became the standard for the industry, because the founders of Axie Infinity uh, the founders of OpenSea, uh, the founders of many many NFT or marketplace or tooling, they all met each other in the CryptoKitties Discord, and then they were like, hey, this tool's kind of cool, and then they used it. So um, that kind of set that motion. Um, so that was kind of what happened on the community side. On the technical side, on the blockchain, I remember we were on this, like, we were in a like a war room kind of uh, conference room. And the network was getting really congested because then people started hearing about it. They want to breed kitties and start jamming up the network. At first, we were like celebrating because we started to rise as like the number one contract that started to consume so much gas. And we were like, we're like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going. Let's stay in the number one position Uh, until we started getting emails and tweets from really angry people who are like, yo, what the hell are you doing? You're, you're like, I was going to launch my ICO this week and now I can't because you've clogged the network. Uh, and uh, we were like, Whoa shit, people are getting pretty mad. Um, and I remember I had a friend who was, I think, living in Shanghai uh, and um, he worked with uh the founder of Ebu pool one of the largest mining pools and i called him up and i i didn't really understand like i knew how the blockchain conceptually worked but i didn't fully like come in contact so anyway i reached out to him and i was like hey man like um this congestion's pretty bad can you like like prioritize our transactions. So maybe the kitties could be bred faster through your mining pool. Um, And uh, he was like, yo, we can't do that. That's not possible. Like we we can't really, I mean, nowadays there's the whole MEV thing and there's the whole like, um, you know, uh, was it the Flashbots and stuff? So yeah, now it's kind of, or maybe it was possible back then, but it was not like publicized, right? So they basically told me no, and we just like rode out the storm with a lot of angry people. Um, And then we, our team had to kind of operate as MetaMask tech support too, because anyone who like lost money on gas or like, I don't know, clicked something wrong on MetaMask, they at that point, they understand that we're not MetaMask, but because we're, linked in a in a product flow they would like call us up and be like yo give me back my money uh, and get really angry and we're like yo i'm sorry we can't do anything so that was the time of congestion
1: like dropping this on the timeline as well so like launch of crypto kitties is was that late mid 17 18 okay
0: yeah late 2017 yeah uh and then i think it hit its stride in like beginning of 2018. Yeah
1: yeah and so I think it was April 2018 was uh, New York blockchain week and ethereal summit and that was the moment of a crypto kitty being auctioned for I think at the time about 100k probably um, you know calculated in ethereum so it'd be more than 100k at this point but that was a kind of for many people uh, aside from you know cryptopunks it's already kind of happening, and you know, retrospect in the time machine, I should have bought or minted hundreds of crypto punks. <laughs> yeah, um, we all should have, yeah. yeah, right. But surely, this like crypto kitty being auctioned for 100k should have been um, inspiration for all of us to go and you know delve deep into NFTs at that time. But in that moment, it was kind of there was so much happening in you know, DeFi protocols being built out, wallets being, you know, improved and all that. And like the conversation was in all these kinds of things fairly early in terms of DAO tooling as well. So like here comes a Crypto kitty up on a screen being auctioned for 100K. I was just like, okay, here's just another crazy thing. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear more about, okay, so like we have, there's some network congestion uh, after the Crypto Kitties <clears throat> drop. But between then and now, I mean, you know, I guess CryptoKitties are no longer like the premier NFT project on on the planet. Um, but with all this early thing, like we're looking back, like you know, why are CryptoKitties not the CryptoPunks? Like, why? What is the difference in mechanism design here that means that you know the first you know few thousand kitties or whatever are not like the grails of all NFT land? Kind of, you know, what is it about? Yeah, the 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 project and the collection itself and the mechanics that kind of put it in a different category.
0: Yeah, I think there are several reasons, and I still think CryptoKitties will have its it, ha- it will have its time um, uh, in the future. So I don't think it's completely over. At least in
1: the last, I should go buy CryptoKitties um, and <laughs> having that moment again.
0: Uh, not financial advice but no, sure. no, of course, never. Uh, but um, you know. Just, I think one thing people forget is there are more than 2 million CryptoKitties, right? And most NFTs are 10,000. So, like, um, I think what we've come to realize is that it's a balance of supply and demand. Uh, And even though in the last NFT boom cycle that we just had, like, all this rage and stuff, um... We're kind of still talking about the same group of people like who, like maybe it's grown a, a, a bit more in terms of like the overall demand of mainstream, but it's still early, right? So cryptic kitties. I mean, the fact that it has 2 million supply of a token plot, more than that, and that people are still breeding kitties, like I think that is still like the upper bound. Um, The only other project that has a huge supply is Axie Infinity as well. So I would say like all these NFT projects that are have ten thousand and maybe releasing their second or third, maybe they're at thirty k. Like you know, we'll see what they end up doing. You know, Uh, I think where they end up doing is creating a layer two, and then having affordable NFTs that they could service. The mainstream and then they kind of keep the smaller numbers on the on the high end right so at that point i think for us it, it made sense for crypto kitties but uh and in hindsight, i mean there are still the exclusive kitties that are one of ones there are still like the genesis that was the number number one kitty that i think like will will still represent like that the higher rung of um The second thing is what we've come to realize is there's two things. One is most people are lazy. Um, uh, And then the other thing is like people can't, uh, you know, they don't want to like sit down and and do all the math. So um, I think that, you know, CryptoKitties the way I describe it is it's like a collaborative crypto puzzle because you're trying to discover genes and find the combinations to unlock rare uh, traits right or fancy cats um and frankly i think people think it's too much work you know like they don't like so you know there's this whole thesis in the nft space right now where you launch your 10k and NF- 10k collection you throw a few parties and then you then get on this rung of like i'm going to build a game i'm going to build a mobile game that you could plug in your nft and all these things right and i don't it's because we've we've tried it many many times maybe we did something wrong right but we've tried it with nba top shot we we had a mobile game that we built um crypto kitty same thing uh we partnered up with animoka uh which is like the next biggest kind of entity in this space and so like I don't know if people are seeking game-like experiences for their NFTs. Um, uh, that's a question mark. So I think going back to my point that people are lazy, like, I don't think people wanted to play and sit there and breed and do all the math of all the crypto kitties And I think that was the other reason that caused it to like, oh, this is so much simpler. I just buy a punk and I just sit around and that's it, right? The game is simple, like scarcity. So that's two. Number 3 is I think that if I was to go back in time decentralizing fully decentralizing CryptoKitty and putting it in the hand of the community would have been the better move. Um you know obviously with the move of dapper and all these things it 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 did lead to eventual success um but CryptoKitty what it really needed is to 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 like we needed to kind of just let go of um of the strings and be like all right you guys run the show um and like you know operate it in in a DAO way or like uh, have some sort of voting mechanism um and you know people don't people don't know but you know the whole play to earn thing that Axie had which i give it to them jiho and them great team know them since the beginning they were big fans of Kurt kitties but The first instances of play to earn was actually CryptoKitty. Um, People don't know, but um, when you breed a CryptoKitty, it's an on-chain action. And it was an action that anyone around the world could call the function of breed and actually um, uh, make a bit of fees from doing it. Um, So at one point when the network was congested, it was lucrative for people to actually um, start birthing CryptoKitties. uh, And they were earning while they were uh playing um it's just that that wasn't scalable because eventually that that supply the demand kind of dried up um but i think these types of things could have been explored more could have let go of the strings and those kind of three things combined together i believe would have allowed crypto kitties to have more room to breathe and, and maybe even grow beyond what it is now
1: i'm interested to uh, explore the design and art process behind CryptoKitties. They're quite iconic uh, in their design, but I'm also interested in like how the mechanics actually work. So we we look at like a 10k NFT collection now, where a team may create a whole bunch of traits for the characters and then run run the thing that spits out all these iterations, and then many teams will then go in, or maybe all teams will go in and like check them proof them make sure that nothing looks it only takes a few mistakes for an entire collection to be shot down on twitter and just like look at this low effort kind of thing right so like they'll go through but we can un- understand the mechanics of that it's almost like it's being done in photoshop ahead of time um so yeah how does you know maybe we could explain like how crypto kitties sort of how do you breed traits and then it just spins up an image on the other side. There's a bit of a magic box with that, and I'd also like to yeah hear a bit about like from those early days that early team, like the design and the art concept work that created these uh, the the kitty design, which I think is is really strong.
0: Yeah, so the 10k format is primarily based on the punks, right? So it's like the generation of the assets and the traits are all predetermined and highly curated and then frozen right so like as the creator they know okay these alien punks are the most rare already right there's no like um suddenly like 10 of them pop up right so that that's kind of the straightforward model um uh, with the cryptopunks uh, each crypto kitty uh had a dominant and a recessive trait so we did a lot of like genetic simulation i didn't do it we had an engineer do the genetic simulation uh to kind of generate billions of combinations so each crypto kitty has a dominant recessive trait and the ones that are displayed as an image are from the dominant traits when you breed them together and the, and the kitties are non-gendered as well so they could, you could decide this kitty in this instance when you breed is the sire or the dame um and then you breed them together and basically we had uh now it's already public it's already cracked but back in the day people don't they didn't really understand how like uh how it all worked but essentially we would be taking traits from the mom and the dad both the dominant recessive blend them together and then generate a new kitty uh that's kind of a mashup right so that's how a kitty was generated and the kitties themselves also had another mechanic where the more you breed it the slower you had to wait so um you'll see like i think if you breed your kitty a lot um eventually you have to wait one one week to to breed it the next time and that actually deteriorates the condition or the quality of the of the kitty some people um they they get a crypto kitty and they never breed it so it's like main condition right um so all of that is on chain um nowadays i mean it's still affordable But when it was, when, you know, when ETH was 4,000, 5,000, like no one was breeding because it was like really expensive to not only merge them together, you're doing the calculation on chain, and then you're pulling all the images together, right? So that's kind of the high level of how CryptoKitties breeding worked. Um, And then in terms of the art, so Gile, um, Gile was the head of art. Um, He's, he's, on his own doing a bunch of crazy experiments now but yeah we we kind of um you know the funny thing is when i first saw the cryptokitties the 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 first iterations I, I really didn't like it i thought it looked like a a a a a squirrel or like like a mouse um so i was like you know a cat usually it's on four you know but the reason why we designed it to look like that is because it needed to be front facing to show all the traits right because if the cat is like looks too hyper realistic you won't have enough abilities to exchange uh, different colors fur patterns all these things so we designed it front facing and he designed all the traits as the pretty pretty much typical process uh the only difference is that we would actually have so a bunch of slots that have not been fulfilled that through time we actually introduce new traits uh, uh that fo- that go into the DNA pool. So now in these NFTs, you see these experiments around like you get a PFP and then you want to like change the trade or something or like update the metadata. So obviously that's like not fully on IPFS, it's on on their backend servers Um, and you could exchange traits. So like we've been doing that since 2017 with like new traits and blending them together. Um, So that's kind of how the art came together. Um, And for fancy cats, so fancy cats and exclusive cats, uh, we would hire um, artists to kind of work on them so we're talking about now in the nft world like how we you know creating grants for artists and and like giving them royalties and stuff like that happened in 2018 right we we collaborated with a bunch of artists we gave them uh grants and they designed a CryptoKitty, and uh and we made it happen so yeah so that that's kind of how the art uh, came together
1: yeah, there's something in like when you say fancy cats and the ability to sort of like overlay pop culture on a cat and this kind of thing reminds a little of those little pop figures that are, you know, ubiquitous, Puff, yeah. right, of, of all that. And yeah, it has a bit of that feel. It's like, oh, cool, it's a crypto kitty, which I recognize. And now it's Han Solo from Star Wars or whatever. And like th- <laughs> the ability to kind yep. of play to play with that is fun.
0: Yeah, the first crypto kitty was the ship, the first fancy cat was a ship cat, and the ship cat came from Product Hunt. Um, so we were like close of Ryan Hoover because of, we were working on Toby, right? The Chrome extension, and we're like, Hey, Ryan, um, we love Product Hunt, we know like you have that cat with the Google, like the Google lens thing, right? And we're like, All right, well, we're gonna make a crypto kitty that is Product Hunt, call it Ship Cat. Um, and he actually used it at his profile picture. So that that was like the first instance of PFPs that, that kind of popped up. Um, and we actually did that with a few other like uh, Web3 community builders. Um, uh, and yeah, so and even like, I'm going to fast forward to like 2018, 2019. So I I inside of Dapper Beyond CryptoKitties, I also like explored a bunch of different things like digital fashion and, and like, um, we even built our own hardware wallet for like an art piece for CryptoKitties. So, like, NFT art stuff. And the first digital dress that was ever sold was like a collaboration between Dapper Labs, which I was leading, and uh, the fabricants based in Amsterdam. And that dress, if you look up digital dress on Google, you'll see it. It's called iridescence, and in that fabric, um, it's kind of colorful and warped. That's actually a crypto kitty. Uh, we decided to weave a warped in crypto kitty inside of the first digital dress, um, and like you know, so you know, there's little tidbits that kind of led uh, all these other experiments along the way, um, which I find pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, you're really you're kind of. You're bringing things to mind now because I certainly do know that project, but I'm like, was I ever aware that that was a Crypto Kitty overlaid into that dress? I've okay, Like you're delving into my distant, distant memory now. <laughs> like maybe yeah, I, I did once know that know. in only, a dream. Only
0: the bit, like us as the builders, we're, we're like, yo, let's do it because yeah. maybe one day people will figure it out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, amazing. I remember that release. And obviously, like, the fabricant doing loads of fascinating experiments in all these kinds of realms. Like, I think it's really interesting chatting with you and kind of going back over these things from years ago And because you're in this role of helping to sort of lead in what, you know, community, growth, marketing. Feel free to knock any of those back. But this kind of function and, but, you know, you're telling stories about having creative ideas to collaborate, you know, uh, creatively with other teams, and uh, hey, we're going to mint a crypto kitty with you, or hey, we, we could build this wallet. Or, and, and I feel like these dynamics can be quite invisible. Like in the, like, people are always like running these experiments, but I feel like this is some of some of the best stuff and the kind of the interesting collaborations and co-building. And it, it's fascinating looking at it in terms of this is community building in crypto a lot of the time. Like this is kind of kind of what it is. Absolutely, I mean that's why like
0: it's been so amazing coming back to this space and by coming back meaning like that's how it all started right like 2017 2018 this like energy of creativity and like experimentation and you know dapper as a company just matured Um, it had to mature um, because of all the all the things that people around the world expected of, of, of the team. Right. So, you know, when I was there, I was employee 13 and by the time I left, it was 650 team members. Wow. Um, And, you know, also raised a lot of capital and built a lot of things and their own blockchain flow blockchain. Um, And like, I think that somewhere along the line, it, it just couldn't be helped that this kind of grassroots, Dow like energy uh, creative energy had to kind of mature and be like hey we gotta run a business um and so i get it um but that's kind of one of the reasons why now i'm like i'm coming back in and we're like with the new team here at future primitive and we're building so many more cool experiments um that hopefully you know are i think we're coming at it with a with a lens of like how do we help others level up you know how do we grow the ecosystem how do we give back um how do we bring back this creative energy that is like like new and we're we're also innovating and and a, a, i think a heavy focus on ux too like that's i think that's what made cryptokitties potentially one of the biggest things just because we put so much energy into making it so fun to click a few buttons on the website um and like that really set a standard for everybody else who was like oh okay like ux does matter um so hopefully we could do that again
1: yeah i'd love to i'd love to ask you about you know tell us more about future primitive because right now it's a Twitter account that leads nowhere and has one tweet, which, you know, mysteriously alludes to uh, uh, I'm pretty sure the beeper uh, project that you guys did at the Eth global hackathon. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear more. I mean, it's essentially uh, an in-person studio in Vancouver. I take it. And what's the timeline for you as far as when did you uh, dip from Dapper? And then, you know, what's the, What's the kind of journey or experience from from that moment to kind of starting to to grow this grow this new uh thing
0: yeah so before i left dapper which was october 2021 i had spent a year and a half close to two on nba top shot and yeah and like um that was a at first I was not too interested as always, even with the with crypto and I'm always skeptical. So I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not like a huge basketball fan, but like, I get it. Um, and I wanted to continue on digital fashion, all these doubt, da- the dows and stuff. I was fascinated by little Michaela and Trevor and the bread team and all of that. Um, but you know, I moved into product and led a team there and, like for me, the fascination has always been like, can we construct new primitives, new like engines that the world can see and engage with, right? And so before Top Shot, there wasn't much sports collectibles. There was a few from Lucid site, like the Bobbleheads and MLB. Um, and there were like so rare soccer cards. Um, so we were like, well, can we do, we do something different you know like because we don't really want to do digital trading cards or bobbleheads so i think that's where we went deep down and and took it to the next level and uh and um yeah that was that was really fun so before i left that i worked on top shot and that like even though i say now it's a year and a half or two it felt like like 10 years of, of 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 like product and all that so how I started Future Primitive. So I knew of Linda Shi, uh, who is also the, the managing partner of Scalar Capital. I, I knew her for a very long time uh, within the Ethereum community at these hackathons. And uh, one day she was like, hey, I, I know somebody, his name is Steve Jang. Uh, he's a uh, he's my LP for Scalar Capital. And, um, and he's also a VC in the Bay Area for a fund called Kindred Ventures and he's looking to start a studio um for web3 experiments so i was like all right i'll chat with him we'll see so we had a we had the first chat and then that became like five other chats um and quickly realized that we both sure sh- shared like similar ideals of of where web3 and culture would go and he was an early investor in uber in Zora uh and Bitsky, he's one of the co-founders of Bitsky, DYDX. So like he he fully understands the whole landscape. So we pretty much I left in October 2021, and then literally like a week after that, Future Premium was formed. Uh and uh I jumped straight into it and um talked to a few friends that I knew, uh, and then we made it happen. So um, you know, the team is based in partly in San Francisco, partly in Vancouver, and we have a team member in Florida as well. Um, but we are gonna stay east and west coast of North America. There's um, a team of six total, including me and Steve, uh, the co-founder, our co-founder. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when we, we formed Future Primitive, is like a week after uh, I left Dapper.
1: It's an interesting entity in the space, I feel um and a different kind of model and obviously it resonates with what you're saying about you know you want to be independent super light on your feet able to experiment and and dabble and and collaborate and and do things like that um something that we haven't really explored on the podcast yet uh is talking about a project like this so um you know, maybe we could chat a little about like projects and collaborations that you've already done in terms of, you know, uh, culture and, and helping to bring through some of these like Web3 type experiences for, you know, audiences and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, like what does it look like for you guys as far as like how do you engage, how do you find projects and potential collaborations that, you know, I- inspire inspire you and, you know, jam with what you you want to do, you know?
0: Yeah, so that's it, that's a great question. So future primitive is thesis driven towards NFTs and DAOs. And everything we do, it's we see it as like a, a a like a scientific method of like, what if we could do this with NFTs? Right. So we start with like a hypothesis and then we kind of go down that the the rabbit hole of like what what does it actually end up being, right? So The first venture that we've spun out is a company called Zealot. And uh, the project is called Stapleverse. uh, And that's with Jeff Staple, who has been a respected uh, sneaker designer, streetwear designer for the last 25 years. Um, Most famously worked on a sneaker with Nike in 2005, which caused a riot. Um, in New York City and was attributed to bringing sneaker culture to the mainstream. So um, we came in contact through Steve. uh, And um, the whole thesis around Stapleverse is, can we shift streetwear into narrative, collaborative narrative building community uh, experiences? Um, And so that was kind of the thesis, right? Because you'd be amazed, I think a lot of streetwear, it's predicated on on hype, right, and like um, drop culture, um, but if you really like open up the hood and you look deep into uh, the the brands, they don't have much story. Like they don't have books and books and books of like, oh, here's the roots of the of the company and here's what it represents, and they don't hire writers to like write narratives, right? So um that's kind of what we wanted to do because you know staple brand, which is a pigeon, it's been around for 25 years and has done a lot of amazing collabs, but beyond that, like what else does it represent? Um, so that was the exercise. That was the the adventure we embarked on. Um and the staple verse, so we've been working on this project for a year and a bit, not year and a half almost. Um, and we've already launched uh five different tokens um and the first one was um our first one was really funny it was in january so it was uh, a a a year ago and it was everything a pigeon would eat in the streets of new york so we had like fried chicken bone we had like um what else we had kebabs and all these things so it was very different from pfps uh we had we worked with an artist beat tom stevenson um, and then the other cool thing was that it was location based too. So in the metadata, we actually linked it to a, a physical location. So that kind of set the stage of this idea of blending in real life and digital together. Um, and then the other two tokens after that was now that I have like a, um, a fried chicken bone NFT, I can choose to toss it and try to catch a pigeon NFT, or you get a poop NFT. Uh, And that was fully on chain, And I think more than 50% of the community decided to toss and try their luck. Um, So that was super fun. Um, And then the fourth one is uh, what we call the Big Apple Guild. And these are the people who are like collecting all the NFTs and uh, they're like a big fan and they like share the narrative and all of that. And then the fifth one that we're gonna release soon in Feb is called Sapiens. And now we're going into PFP, but with a twist where we want PFPs to change clothing five times a day. Um, And we want people to like uh, be able to buy like a hoodie that's staple and a brand. Um, And then when the hoodie comes, they could tap on it like an NFC chip and then claim the NFT and then equip it onto their character. Um, So we're experimenting a lot. Uh, on that realm of digital fashion, uh, education, and also physical goods. So that was the thesis of Stapleverse. Um, the other project that we worked on, which you, you've you mentioned uh, uh, already, is the Beeper. So um, we were at ETH San Francisco Hackathon last year, uh, and we went there with uh, Billionaire Boys Club, uh, another streetwear brand, uh, with Greg, who leads BB3 and uh the thesis here was like hey nfts are cool but can we have them talk to each other um so we launched a 90s pager device that is an nft and then when you own it you can actually write a message um and anyone else who owns it they can do the same uh we were using xmtp under the hood decentralized messaging and then we embedded that all uh on opensea so you could see the whole chat log uh, there so you know, those are the types of things that we like to play with. And uh, the core thesis of Future Primitive is around this idea of Dunbar's number. So Dunbar's number is like a number of like, how many meaningful connections or relationships can you have as a human with others? And the number, the, the sweet spot is 150, right? Um, And we kind of ask ourselves, well, in this future, in five years future, everyone's going to have... A wallet or most people everyone's going to have a lot of tokens some of it are spammy some of it are really good right and we asked ourselves where's our role in this future right what do we want to be known for and so we're actually our our mission is we're going to release 150 types of tokens um uh, and you know if we're lucky we do 10 a year that's you know still 15 years of work so up until now we've only done i think six types of tokens in the first year which i think is amazing uh and now 2023 we've got a lot more planned so that's kind of the thesis around future primitive
1: yeah it's great it's great man you're 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 very much in the realm that you wanted to be in in continuing to experiment and interesting to uncover that you know That's what you were doing behind the scenes and others as well within Dapper when it was a small sort of, um, you know, a smaller group of folks that were kind of jamming on experimental things. Super appreciate. I mean, there's there's actually something I might ask you about quickly and then comment a little more on the beeper projects. I think it's really cool. But, um, you know, there are many mafias in crypto, zero X mafia, the, all this kind of thing that, uh, how would you account for the dapper mafia? What kinds of uh, projects, subsequent projects have we seen spin out from the crew that were there in the early days? What's the alumni been up to since then?
0: Yeah. So doodles is a big one. Um, You have big head club that launched Stoner cats. Um, So, i think those are the main big ones that everyone knows about um and then you know because we're based dapper was primarily based in vancouver the ecosystem also like manifold is from here uh you have west coast nft uh you have uh layer zero over here so and then there's a bunch of like nft artists like Fuck renders here mad dog jones so like there's like this whole group of people who are either came from VFX films, to film, um, or they came from video games, or they came from tech, uh, or they came from like art and creative cultural industries, and now they're all fusing here in, in Vancouver, which is kind of kind of cool to see. Um, so yeah, I think those are the the main alumni that I could think of right now. There's still a lot of folks, a lot of good great folks who are at Dopper whom have not fully uh uh i think that in the next few years they'll probably make their leave and then there'll be like another wave of of dapper uh x dappers so um yeah that's kind of what came out of dapper labs
1: so um yeah you mentioned there like manifold which i feel is having quite a moment uh right now in terms of like all these open editions and and various editions that are coming through in these collections and stuff like that as someone interested in experiments with nfts and different mechanics of of scarcity or this kind of stuff um yeah what's been your take on some of the uh, the drops that we've seen coming through already in this early part of the year
0: yeah so I think like, I don't, I haven't really like been trading or like, uh, you know, look watching the markets too, too tightly. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I've seen, seen the more recent things manifolds dropped and like, I think then again, it's it, it, right now the market is in a very soft spot. Uh, and like, you just, it, 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 you have to make this engagement of like, Hey, do we, do we launch or do we not launch? And once you make past that point, then you're like, okay, like, are we doing the 10k thing or like, are we doing something else? Mm -hmm. Um, and like, depending on how people feel or like what crypto Twitter is like vibing with or not vibing with, like, it's gonna like, you'll either do great or you, or you won't. Right. So, um, it's quite tough. And even, even for us, like we're making that assessment, right. Um, every single detail on supply and look, I think like 10k is not an, 10k is enough to create a discord or like a, a like a micro community but i think people are realizing the upper limits right of like hey we we need to go more we need to have more of these in the market um but then the prices aren't following right and then people get mad and then like the uh, floor like everyone's just tracking floor we always say it's like the minimum Price that the 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 most desperate person has right, like the person who's like, yo, I gotta pay rent tomorrow. I'm just I'm just gonna liquidate this on the on really cheap. That's the floor price. And is that a good accurate assessment of you know the people who are in your community every day and engaging? Right? Uh, I don't think so. So, I think what we're seeing in the market right now is a reaction to a lot of these these parameters and. People aren't really understanding right now, like, hey, what should we really do? What should we really support, right?
1: I would love to dip back to uh, the Beeper project as well. And yeah, the functionality piece of kind of uh, XMTP enabling communication between NFTs and stuff like that. I also really vibe with just the design of how the NFTs look. And a hearkening back to like prior technology is always fun. Feels like Twitter is obsessed with phones that were out between 2003 and 2008, kind of design aesthetic. Um, beeper culture is something that many of us now on the internet never actually directly experienced. I didn't have a beeper, I was like a child at the time, I'm assuming. So, um, yeah, like there's so much about it that I think is an effective. Project and a design and a language and a like a commentary on where technology is at and sort of like a hearkening to the past while creating something that's sort of radically new. I think is cool.
0: Yeah. Well, shout out to Canapat who uh, worked on the artwork Um, and so like all the things that I had the lucky opportunity to work on in one form or another had an element of nostalgia. Um, and, it, and it will continue to to, to pursue that uh, in the future as well. So CryptoKitties, CryptoKitties drew from Tamagotchi and Neopets. Cheese Wizards drew... Cheese Wizards' main mechanic was rock, paper, scissors, so it was like you're like a kid in a playground, rock, paper, scissors. Uh, NBA Top Shot drew from, like, kids watching highlight reels and like basketball trading cards right so like the beeper carried on the same thread of like hey there was a past where humans or us engaged differently with technology and we had more of a fondness and exploration around like you know the motorola razor phone or the blackberries or the all, all the all the really cool phone nokia devices right and now it's like every phone looks the same it's like uh it's just a screen right so um i wasn't around using the beeper. i wasn't around like i was too wasn't born yet when the beepers were were here used in mass but i still recognize that they were a cultural icon right that was the thing to do to send the beep uh to other folks and so that's kind of where we we drew from, and specifically the BB Three project, um, we actually had a science fiction novel writer uh, that we hired to create the lore for BB Three. So you know, BBC as a brand has astronauts uh, as its main icon, and it has had that for the last twenty years because it started by Pharrell and Nigo. Um, and when we first, when I first en- engaged with that project, it was like tell me the story of the astronaut. What's the name of the astronaut? What planet is he or she from? And they were like, uh, we don't actually know. And I was like, oh man. So that's when we hired the writer. Um, And essentially the whole story is like, there's a lost space station that's around um uh, Neptune. Uh, and it's been trying to send signals to planet earth to tell Earth something, the people of Earth. And the only devices that receive these signals are retro devices. Um, and that ties in with if you look up Pharrell's Golden Blackberry on YouTube, um, there's a famous like, you know, rap that he does of his Golden BlackBerry. And um, we decided that we wanted to play along these retro devices and carry on that narrative thread. Uh, so that's why we picked that. Um, and you know, I think form factor and the way it looked from the artist that did it, Canapat, uh, uh, uh was, was amazing. So, um, so we had that, and then the uh, XMTP decentralized messaging. So we knew that it wasn't enough to just like have a pager NFT and send a beep or something. Um, and you know, now that I've come back into this space, um, I've I see so many new like projects that have launched since 2017 right like we didn't have all the luxury of like rainbow kit or wallet connect and all these things now and so xmtp uh we've been you know following them for a while and it just made sense to like hook that in and then be like hey your wallet address allows you to send a message um and um and you know when we actually built the test version during the hackathon I still remember it, it felt like magic it felt like oh i didn't even know i could like if you log into xmtp and then you like put in your or you log in with connect your wallet like you might actually have some hidden messages there um uh and that to me was like well we just unveiled a new layer um and i felt like this like really like jittery feeling uh the feeling that i get usually with like really cool ideas um so that's kind of how that all came together within Two days, you know, um, team didn't sleep, but uh, it was worthwhile uh, launching that as an MVP. Um, And I think that is that project led us down this path where we're on now. And it's the exploration of what we can do further beyond just messaging. Um, So again, on that thread of like, NFTs are here, but what can we do? What can we stretch the canvas to? Uh, now we're actually working on a protocol called Token Bound. Um, and we actually just completed a third-party audit uh, with Macro. Um, and the whole idea is connecting, linking a NFT with a smart contract wallet. Um, so it's a soul bound, you know, so we use Token Bound vaults. And every imagine every NFT has now a vault or a smart contract wallet it has its own identity all the nfts can talk to each other all the nfts can hold other nfts or digital clothing can hold um, a subdomain ens name so um we're going down this path now of like oh what if we can like unveil the next layer of nfts and the next wave so uh, that's kind of this little experiment led us down this path which was really really cool
1: yeah, I mean I'm I'm super interested in the kind of the the messaging the functionality that you're talking about there. But super fascinating again that sort of digital fashion uh, is coming up here in conversation obviously something that you're keenly interested in um, and just, you know, haphazardly or randomly I have a bit of a um, experience in the digital fashion realm back in 2020 um, I worked on a project for a virtual fashion conference during Paris Fashion Week, uh, working with uh, a circular fashion, digital fashion kind of tech company. And so um, got like sort of immersed in that space and became aware of a lot of projects and creators in in that world. And we already mentioned like experiments that come out from the fabricant and places like that, designers who are thinking in these ways. But, you know, digital fashion is still existing in a bit of a realm of question marks um and you see like artifact and nike collabs on the way it feels like the nft uh of of fashion and you know streetwear culture and stuff is kind of bubbling away but hasn't had like a big breakout moment um so what are your kind of like predictions or feelings about what the next couple of years might look like in terms of you know people starting to like collect these things in in their wallets. Maybe it starts in the web, you know, it starts in the web three native kind of community first. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of folks in in fashion who feel very confidently that digital fashion is absolutely going to happen and absolutely going to be a thing. But how do we get from, from now to, you know, the, the full, the, the full uh, transition into that, uh, into culture
0: yeah, I actually have a pinned tweet um that I wrote um in November of last year. and it was buy a pair of pants, talk to everyone who owns the same pair of pants and then talk to the pair of pants um and and then basically change pants with anything else you can wear. And so, you know the idea, uh, I believe that every single physical fashion item, should be linked to an nft um i never believed in that when i was like i always felt that digital things should just be digital but i've realized the power of it so now i'm like well okay like it really does make sense so i think every brand should have like some sort of chip uh that's linked to an nft and when you buy that pair of pants you claim the nft and the NFT is bounded to the chip that's embedded in the clothing, and when you claim that NFT, let's say it's a digital pair of pants, um, now you could talk to all the other people who owns the pair of pants. Um, you, this is nearly impossible now in the physical world because it's all owned by like Shopify, right? So all the purchase data and like, how are you gonna read? Like maybe on Instagram, you might search up the same Arcteryx jacket, and then you you'll be able to see all the other people who wear the same Arc'teryx jacket, but it's still not very clear. But here with the decentralized messaging rail and everything that we're we're experimenting with token bound, like you can talk to everyone who who bought this pair of pants. Um, And then the next layer of that is not just talking to everyone who, who else, the community, the people who love the same jackets as you or the pants as you that maybe you could even talk to the pair of pants. Uh, that could be in way of chat GPT and all the other things, right? So it's kind of a wild thought, but I do think that's potentially the next layer of all of this. Um, and the way I think about digital fashion is like, there's two spectrums, right? There are companies like The Fabricant that will only do digital fashion because what they do is trying to defy uh gravity of fabrics or make new types of fabrics right um so that makes sense i think the only problem with digital only fashion is that distribution uh is a problem right because everyone's using snapchat ar filters or snapkit to display the digital dresses right and so there's a high dependency on snap um, and you know they could maybe remove access, I don't know, but like that that to me is concerning. Now there are other like there's epic games and the Unreal Engine, all these things. Um, but still there's there is a question of like what's the future of like who's gonna build the real the the, the tech to display the clothing, right? Um, number two is so people people who know me know that I have a strong opinion about metaverses. Um, like, I think metaverses are cool, but they're still very nascent. And majority of time, they're ghost towns, right? Unless you like, uh, in certain occasions you might be able to gather, like an event, and have few, you know, fifty, hundred people there, hanging out in a digital space. But majority of time, it's empty, right? So, like, the problem with like digital and clothing, especially when it's high fidelity. Um, is like, where are you going to show it off? Like, where are the outlets, right? Uh, not everyone has a VR goggle yet, right? So the timing is kind of like dependent on not just AR um, engines, but also the distribution of headsets um, and all of that. So that to me is like, it's a big bet. It's a long-term bet. It's worthwhile. That's um, why I'm an advisor investor in the Fabricant and a few others. Um, but the other side of this is where the where we're testing with the streetwear brands like uh, the staple brand and BB Three, and it's like, hey, streetwear was created from the streets, you know. Um, but now somehow streetwear has become highly commercialized. Uh, you have people sitting in, you know, the top floor of a building making all the choices of what the young kids should wear. And so, what we're really trying to do on this other spectrum is like let's reimagine the culture of streetwear from the grassroots. And that includes involving the community in actually designing and co-designing the hoodies, the shirts, the shoes together. Uh, And then when we produce it, it has a chip. And then when you have the chip, you could claim it as NFT and then so on and so forth. So that's kind of how I see the spectrums of like digital fashion playing out at
1: least in the next few years. When you talk about from the ground up, it's almost creating a space there where it's like early SoundCloud culture or like just create a space where people can put up their beats or, or whatever it is naturally, you know, wisdom of the crowd, like gain a following and whatever it is. And then, you know, collaborations come later, someone's coming in for their beats or whatever. I love the idea of that, like being the case for like sneakers or other expressions of of culture and like in in a very like analog kind of way that's most classic streetwear brands you know fubu or whatever like we're gonna do this ourselves this is you know for us by us or you know shirts being sold out the back of a of a car for however long or like cassette mixtape culture the same kind of thing like these these huge huge cultural institutions at this point and brands and and, and projects and stuff like that so often start in that way but yeah, the democratization of access to create fashion is is super fascinating
0: yeah and I think like rest in peace Virgil right but like I just saw an article they they're they're they are they they gonna they have a, a new individual who's gonna be coming in and doing at least one collection right uh and he he, this person leads uh, another brand called uh kid super and i think that's cool but like that's old old school you know like like virgil his whole thing was always like disseminating and supporting the up and coming and like the grassroots um and like i think if he was still around, I think, like, maybe in the future, there is no creative director, right? Um, the community is the creative director, right? The The community collectively has an amazing taste. We've seen this with, you know, what you're building with FWB and all these other cultural dials. And, like, I, I do strongly believe that we could make some of the coolest innovative clothing, physical clothing as a collective, um, rather than like, oh, here's the baton to one person. And now you can now we must bow to you. Um, So I do think like that, that's the the shift, the mind shift that has to happen um, in, in this space. And like, how cool is it that maybe a 12 year old kid can one day say, hey, that you know, that that staple sneaker with Nike, like I helped pick the red colorway. And especially on the swoosh, like I was, I voted on it. Like that's cool because they're involved. Right. Although at the end of the day, the shoe still must look cool. It can't look like a Frankenstein uh, or unless that's the purpose. Um, But uh, I think that's way more cooler than like someone just sat there. like, Oh yeah, we're going to make it purple. Um, So hopefully this comes to fruition. And I think it's not just for physical. It's going to, it's going to open up for any other DAOs, any other kind of communities that they want to co-create together.
1: Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating piece. The kind of the DAO to DAO uh, thing, all these culture DAOs that are emerging into the space, been talking on the run of this show uh, a lot about like artist collectives, meta labels, all these sorts of notions uh, of a kind of a, a bottom up thing. And, Essentially, rather than being a a lonely creator on the internet, attention economy, or whatever, we actually, we love collaborating together more than anything. And uh, often the signal is stronger when we do stuff together under a kind of a a brand or a signal. And, you know, UFO is a signal, friends with benefits, as you say, and and many of these other things. But then what does it look like when these worlds start to collide Um, and, you know, uh, sub DAOs is, is one notion, but it's almost like small creative teams within a larger sort of so then it becomes like a music label roster of kind of where this whole crew of artists, we make tracks together, we make tracks on our own. We do it and I like that commingling of stuff is is super healthy. And the DAO space where it is right now, I think that's why I'm so excited about this year. I think we're gonna see so many interesting things. Metal label dropped liked their uh, after the creator economy zine which is a physical printed zine but also an NFT record stuff like that. I love experiments like that. The Beeper project again is great. Stuff like this, I just want to see more and more proliferation of this or I should say that's what I expect to see this year and I'm just kind of excited about it, you know. And I'm I'm excited for everything you've got brewing as well on on the UFO club
0: and Voyager and appreciate that. You know, in the in the the pre-chat for before this episode like, you know, like this tying in with the physical and the digital and like involving the community like there's just so many angles to it and one of the what are the other angles that like we're exploring for digital fashion is tying it to education too and this is quite different from most other folks so on the stableverse side like you could imagine like so you buy a a pair of digital headphones right that you would put on your 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 character and this digital pair of headphones will unlock like a master class with like Dr. Dre and he'll teach you like music production and the history of hip hop and uh, so on and so forth. And so we're we're going down that avenue because like the way we see it is this is like a new form of involving people who either they already have the creative skills or they're looking to be a creative right or a designer or an artist. And like how else do they access all of these amazing people like fwb has a lot of great people but how do you do you like how do you learn from them besides like a twitter space chat right um so i think education is the way to kind of empower the community so that they make better choices when they're co-designing like the sneaker and then when the sneaker looks good then you know so on and so forth the the effects will will, will roll on right
1: I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I've super appreciated and enjoyed this conversation. Uh, for folks listening who are interested in, you know, uh, your work and Future Primitive and stuff like that, where should they go online to discover some of these things? They can, of course, check the show notes as well. And we'll drop some links in there. But um, yeah, where should folks go if they're interested to, to find you online?
0: Yeah, so, well, first of all, thank you, Nick, for having me on the show. Um, really exciting to... Share the stories over the last few years. Um. So yeah, everyone could follow me on Twitter at Benny Jang uh, B-E-N-N-Y-G-I-A-N-G. Um. And I think we're gonna have our website up soon. Uh, futureprimitive.ca, which eventually will be .dot x y z. So both will will probably work soon. Um. So that will be just a high a high level page talking about some of the things that we built. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Nick, really appreciate you having me on the show.
1: Thank you to Benny for coming on UFO. You can find him on Twitter at B E N N Y G I A N G links to his socials and projects are in the show notes at ufo.mirror.xyz thanks to our sponsors who made this episode possible to get started with Zerion and create your new crypto wallet, head to Zerion.io. To join the Lens ecosystem and explore the future of Web3 social, be active around UFO, engage with us on Twitter. We're looking forward to invite as many listeners as we can. Subscribe and collect our NFTs at ufoclub.lens. This is Nick Collins signing off from UFO.